welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, Awaken. My name is Emily McGoon Short, and it is my pleasure to introduce to you this morning Claudette Witham, our August Artist in Residence. Good morning. Good morning. Well, Glad let's start here. out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Claudette? Okay. Um, um, I have five sons. Um, I have 12 grandchildren, six boys and six girls. I have lived in St. Paul all of my life. In fact, I'm probably a two-mile radius is where my existence has been. Um, I'm a HUC at, or a health unit coordinator at Fairview Southdale Hospital in the emergency department and have experienced quite a lot of uh, all of that, all that goes <laughs> along with being in the ER on a, on a busy weekend. Um, my hobbies are birding, um, being outdoors, hiking, skiing, and some gardening. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your craft and what you've chosen to display for us? Sure. Um, I've got the hats up there, which I have really enjoyed doing. They're just very relaxing. I like the, the feel of the yarn through my fingers and just seeing the finished product. Also, I like to see my grandkids' heads covered in cute little hats. And <laughs> <laughs> so it gives me something to do. The stockings are a little different story. Um, the Christmas stockings are really special to me. My sister had made one for each one of my kids when they were born. And as my grandkids have been born, I've selected different um, stockings that I think fit that grandchild. And as I'm working on it, my thoughts are with them. My prayers are with them. Um, I was just holding my youngest one the other day and looking at him and thinking, what is it, Ivan, that you want on your Christmas stocking? And he had a little cute little shirt on, and I, I think I've pretty much zeroed in on what Ivan's going to get. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about how God moves in your life through your creative process? Yes. Um, I enjoy taking pilgrimages, and this is kind of, a, to me, a big circle. But um, the pilgrimage, pilgrimage, that P word, um, <laughs> for, for me have come as a result of just a, a calling, just a need to get away whether it's the stress of the job, whether it's the stress of family life, um, I just feel a need and a calling to go. And um, I went up this weekend, or on Sunday, Monday when it was raining, and they had just cut along the highways, and I was just totally into the colors and the and what I, and what was there, the the browns and the fading of the trees and the different greens, and just so much enjoying that and realize that, you know, those are the colors that are showing up right now in what I'm making as far as my hats. And it was just kind of an interesting connection for me. Um, and as I said, I like birding, and a lot of times I get I get really into it, and I'll look at a bird and I'll think, why do you do what you do? You know, why do you come up here in Minnesota, spend the summer, and then fly 2,000 miles again. I mean, who makes you do that? I mean, who thought of this? And just the color. Have you ever looked at the color or the, the patterns of a wood duck? 
mean, who does that? Or just all of those questions go through my mind. Who does that? And as on these pilgrimage, a lot of times I'll end up sitting by the lake. And this Monday I was walk, I was sitting up by the lake, um, and there was the icy blue of Superior. And as you moved along, and it was a cloudy day, and the cha- the colors changed. And there was one color that just really struck me. And I, who does this? You know, how does this happen? And I have the vision of just God standing behind me with his arms around me and saying, I did this, and it's for you, and it's for you to enjoy. And I try to do that. Wow. So. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that You're with welcome. us, Claudette. Mm-hmm. Uh, her stuff will be on display for all of August, so please feel free to go up and look and touch and uh, talk to her. And also her hats are for sale, and she, she takes commissions as well you're interested in that so thank you again um so uh quarterly quarterly we like to do an update uh just in terms of uh the life of our church and uh a lot of times these are special meetings we we do this four times a year once is the annual meeting where it's a special meeting after church the three other times we just do it in the gathering because it's the uh uh, the gathering of the most people at awaken so um I want to do that. Bruce, uh, who's our finance chair, is uh, didn't make it back from the cabin, and um, we pray for him. <laughs> so I get, you get me instead of him. He's a lot smarter than I am, so I'll try to make sense of these. But um, and then I want to share a little bit about the survey, and then we'll we'll jump into Moses. So you should be here only until two. Um, there we go. So the first slide uh, shows uh, average attendance over the top of. Uh, donations at Awaken. Um, And so I'll just kind of have you focus right down here on this end. Um, The last five months or so, um, our attendance has dipped a little bit, uh, which is normal during the summertime. um, But uh, that's something that we're certainly um, paying attention to and watching. But I will say that if you look at these numbers right here, uh, the overall income and contributions at Awaken have actually grown in the last five months amidst uh, summer. And amidst kind of this, a lot of these staff transitions that have happened at Awaken. So if you remember, we, we learned in March uh, that the first of our transitions were happening. And uh, I would just highlight to say that there are, there's a collective sense of yes to the vision and mission of this church, which to me is really, really encouraging. Uh, this place happens because you all say we believe in it. Uh, to the degree that the vision and mission of Awaken is lived out is the degree to which you all say yes to it in a various number of ways. Uh, these are just two indicators of that. Um, so uh, why don't you go ahead and go to that next slide. Um, this slide shows basically our, our expenses compared to our income. Uh, so what comes in on Sundays and through donations and what we spend. And again, you'll notice the last five months or so, um, you all have been incredibly faithful. Uh, so the, the actual contributions of Awaken have gone up. The expenses, of course, because we're not paying two staff people that we had previously, have gone down a little bit. Um, we also did some, some rearranging of uh, benefits for my, me and my family, uh, which has saved us almost 1500 bucks a month, which is like, hey, Christmas in July or August or whatever this is, um, which, is which is reflected in this. But uh, again, I'll just say that the collective sense of faithfulness that we have seen at Awaken from you all as a community is... Uh, I can't believe I get to do this like day in and day out. Um, 
one, you know, as we uh, maybe go to that next slide, and I'll just say one of our goals has always been from the beginning of Awaken when we started, you know, we, we, we were in the hole in, uh, in terms of a, a loan that we received uh, over and above our kind of uh, to get this thing up and running. And a goal was to get out of that and then also to have three months expenses always on, ca- always on hand in cash. And so um, you'll notice here that the last couple of months um, we have a very strong cash position going into the fall. Uh, so the red line is our sum of three months expenses. That's gone down a little bit, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, and our, uh, our sum of cash has, has gone up, um, which is great. Uh, so trends are very positive. Uh, the leadership at Awaken is really, really excited. Uh, I have a sense that there are seeds in the ground, um, really, really good seeds, that there's just a lot of things kind of ready to pop and ready to come alive in this community. Um, at the same time, you know, we're looking to, to, to hire some people, and uh, the advisor team and myself are certainly involved in conversations about replacing Ben and what of Toff and Ben's roles we want to keep as a position and just navigating some of that. Um, and so there's some unknown going into the fall, and there's, there's some risk in that sense. Um, and we just want to say uh, how important it is that collectively we continue to say yes. That was mentioned in the announcements. Um, just that there's lots of things that people do around here. And uh, people carry this community. And um, so if you're not involved in that, uh, I want to invite you to, to do so. Um, so that's that. Uh, I want to shift gears to we just took a survey recently. Many of you participated in that. And I want to just give a couple of highlights from that. Know that uh, the core team, which is kind of our leadership teams, and the advisory team, which is kind of our traditional elder team, uh, just went on a retreat this weekend. We got back last night. And we are paying very close attention to the feedback that we've gotten from the survey. Lots of really, really enlightening and um, important things that we've heard. Uh, And so we're paying attention to that. Uh, And I'll just highlight a couple of things that you see here. Um, This first, these are uh, word clouds. So there were a couple of open-ended questions. the largest print are the ones that were voted the most. So this is an answer to the question, how you hear God's voice. Um, So as you can see, gatherings, Sunday, prayer, music, um, people, nature, community, these are all things that you um, highlighted as ways that you hear God's voice. Um, This next one is an answer to what do you love about Awaken? Um, So we've got, which I love, people (laughs) at the top, Uh, the teaching, community, love, um, questions, uh, these are all things that you guys r- recognized as things that we love about this community. Um, and I think it becomes even more clear on this last one, uh, the top three words you would use to describe Awaken. Um, you know, authenticity, community, open, loving, home. So often when people come to churches, a group of people say, hey, we value these things. And then your experience is very disconnected to those stated values. And you think, hmm, something's off here, right? We've been there before, yeah? I think this says and and confirms to me and to us that what we say we value and we want to be about is the actual experience of the people that come here, which is awesome. Um, One of the things that came up uh, again and again on the survey was a concern for me as your pastor, which, of course, I am grateful for, uh, that you care about me and my family, uh, as we've lost Ben and Toff as part-time staff, um, I just want to say that there are a, a large group of people behind me who have picked up things that they carried. Uh, I want to mention a couple of them because a lot of times you guys don't see these things day to day like I do. 
Um, Bob and Linda Hillicu, if you know them, have agreed to be the life group team leaders. And so they are caring for and walking with uh, the life group leaders, uh, which was something that Toff was doing. I'm helping them try to place new people because I obviously I know more people or uh, Maybe not, obviously. I think I do. Um, no more people at Awaken, and so I'm part of that process. But they're really carrying that, which is awesome. Um, we approved in the budget last year, uh, for this year, a part-time admin person. Um, if, in, if you don't know Rachel, she's standing right up here waving wildly. This is Rachel Obley. She and Leah had been leading the tech team as volunteers for the last couple of years. They helped serve uh, and, and empower and carry what Ben was, was working on. And Rachel uh, is our admin uh, for uh, a few hours a week at this point. And she is a huge asset and help to me. Um, I mean, look at me, right? I need a lot of help. And she is a great uh, gift mix that compliments me. You may have gotten an email from her that says Rachel the admin. So uh, her, Bob and Linda, um, we have some Kern scholars from Bethel. Many of you know Jenna, but this guy here, Chris, just wandered in uh, about a month ago and was like, hey, I'm going to be at Bethel. I'm looking for a church. And so we just started talking. He came to Awaken, he and his fiance Kelsey. And um, they're like, we love this place. How can we be involved in this? So uh, an opportunity that wasn't in the budget, I knocked on a few doors and said, here's a chance that we have, and a bunch of people, uh, or a few people funded this. So Chris is here this year, which is, I mean, just lots of things that are happening, uh, and a group of people who are coming around me and supporting me. So I wanted you to know that. Um, and then the other thing I would just say is that tonight we have a meeting, if you, uh, if you get the Awaken Weekly, um, we have a meeting to talk about a potential future space uh, that we're kind of talking about. Uh, I want to just say a couple of things briefly before I jump to the teaching, and we'll do this more in detail tonight, but urgent may not have been the best word. I apologize if you were like, what's going on? Or if that, that like created anxiety in you, important would have been a much better word. That was totally my choice, okay? <laughs> so I apologize if that freaked you out. Um, one, we're not buying a building. We're not buying property. That's not in the cards for Awaken right now. It may be someday, but it's not now. So if that was a question, the answer is no. Uh, two, the site that we're looking at is two miles from here. Um, it's right across the river yonder. Uh, and we know that Awaken draws from a large geographic area. And so one of our decisions or one of the, the pieces of our decision-making process is how do we move to a potential new site and not make it impossible or uh, very difficult for people who call Awaken home to continue to call Awaken home. Um, and so we're cognizant of that. It's right across the river. It's at, it's called St. James. It's a Catholic church that's been empty since 2012. Um, number three, we've committed to nothing. Uh, we have a proposal that we have put to them to say, uh, essentially, you know, we're playing poker here, right? Like, we want to see their cards. So we drafted up a proposal to just get a sense of, like, are we close? Are we out in left field? Yes. Um, and tonight, we want to invite you into this conversation. Um, you may th have thought, like, this is the first I've heard of this. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, you have act asked a group of people to lead on your behalf, and they're doing so, and now we want to invite the rest of you into this conversation. Um, constitutionally, there's no vote that's needed for us to change leases, but the spirit of Awaken is that we want you to be involved, and we want you to hear the process, and we want you to hear the discerning and the vision, and to hear feedback and comments and questions. So that's what tonight is, okay? It's not a vote. We're not, this may not even work. It may be nothing. So it may be something. Who knows? We're, 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 we're waiting to see. Um, and so we're actually waiting to hear back from them in terms of what they think of our crazy idea. 
So that's that. I want to just open it up for questions, if there are anything related to the finance piece or uh, any of the things that I, I shared, and then we'll jump to the teaching. So uh, feel free to shout it out if you have anything. 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, child care is not provided, so if you can secure that, go for it. And if you want to bring your kids and, and you're comfortable with that, we are too. So good question. Anything else? From the peanut gallery? No? Nose, please? There will not be pizza. I'm, so, I'm sorry. So vi- feed yourselves, please, before you come. Or after. Or bring snacks. Little snack bags. And if you do, I love the, the fruit strips. They're great. Anything else? Okay. So this is where I make a smooth transition to the teaching. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 3, and um, we'll jump into our series on Moses, which I uh, continue to be very excited about. This has been a lot of fun for me. I'm having a blast. So if you are new, um, we're in week four of this series. We have talked about a couple of things that are important. Uh, One are the names that we find in the book of Exodus. Uh, We found Moses. We found Egypt. We find the name of God. All have very significant um, meaning and play uh, in this narrative. We talked about the birth of Moses a couple of weeks ago and uh, the fact that Moses' mother calls him good and then puts him in an ark, not a wicker basket, but the same word that's used in Genesis 6, which of course has all kinds of interesting implications. And then last week we looked at these three vignettes of Moses where we find him, uh, if you know the story, he kills an Egyptian and buries him. He, he, uh, he speaks on behalf of a Hebrew who's being beat up by his friend and he, he sort of speaks on behalf of and advocates for these women at a well. And then, of course, we find this beautiful text right at the end of chapter 2 where we find some interesting things about, said about God, that God hears, remembers, sees, and knows. And we talked, uh, spent some time discussing what does it mean to say that God sees and hears and remembers and knows. So that's where we are. Um, if you can, stand, and we will read verses 1 to 4 of chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Pray with me. God, as we uh, again come to this story and uh, this book, uh, so much happening in this community, so much happening, uh, so much life that is bubbling up or just just below the surface. Uh, my sense of just really good seeds that are in the ground that are starting to take root and, and are about to kind of come out of the earth. I pray that this story and your word would speak to us as a community, as individuals, as moms and dads and students and uh, professionals, that it would be a living word for us today in this space. And so we give ourselves to you, we open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear and see and sense the things that you would have for us. And so we say, all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Um, 
So this is an interesting story, right? Probably one of the most uh, familiar, one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible where we find Moses, our man Mo, standing in front of a bush that is on fire but not burning up. There's lots of commentary about what kind of bush this was and was this an abnormal event or a normal event. There's a lot of people who actually, uh, scientists who have looked at the bushes that grow in the Middle East and who would say that this isn't uncommon, you know, wicked hot out in the desert that there's a bush that has a resin in it that's actually quite flammable. And so this idea of a bush that would just sort of combust spontaneously isn't totally abnormal. Um, I'm going to kind of skip all of that. And I think it's interesting, and, and you know, there's, there's certainly some implications that you could draw from that. But I want to really focus on one piece of this passage that I think um, is something that isn't talked a lot about in church. And I want to talk to you about the desert. I want to talk to you about despair, about unknowing, about uncertainty, about doubt, about when, when it feels like it is just dry, and it's parched, and it's dark. Uh, I want to talk to you about something that almost every Christian that ever gets past the first stop in spiritual growth, which is fundamentalism and legalism, has to go through, but nobody ever talks about. I would submit to you that this, this experience of the desert, you have to go through if you're going to get past the first stop along the way in spiritual maturity. And I would submit the first stop is usually a very rigid form of faith. And that's fine. It's, if you look at it from a developmental standpoint, it's exactly where you should stop first. But if you ever plan to move beyond that, and I would invite you to, this experience most likely will be in front of you. And it's rarely talked about in the church. Because most of the time when someone's here and they say, I can't hear God, or it's as if God's nowhere to be found, or it feels dark, it feels like God's a million miles away, it's usually followed by, well, what's wrong with you? Or maybe you should pray more. Or maybe you don't have enough faith. Or maybe you did something. And it's possible, I'm not ruling out the possibility, that sometimes when we experience seasons of dryness, that it's a result of our own stupid mistakes. I've been there before. I cheated on a test in college. A New Testament test, actually. And then the whole summer, I was a mess, a total disaster. Was, that was my own fault. Sometimes that's the case, but oftentimes it's not. It's nothing you've done. In fact, I would submit to you, it's something God is doing in you and to you, with you, out of love and care. And it's an invitation to continue to trust and walk and follow. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's a real upper. <laughs> All right. Um, St. John of the Cross called this the dark night of the soul. Uh, the Psalms call this the valley of the shadow of death. A lot of people call it the desert. The scriptures often talk about it as the wilderness. Um, this is a picture from Israel uh, that I was able to see. This is the Judean wilderness. So in Luke 3, when it says that Jesus is invited out into the, into the desert or the wilderness, this is where he would have likely gone. And it is wicked dry. It is hot. There is nothing out there. You would think that nothing grows here. Except for every spring in this short window of time, it says, if you remember the Isaiah and the Psalms, that the desert rejoices and blooms and all these wild flowers actually grow in the desert. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've been told. I haven't seen it. Uh, 
that, that Israel has to offer in a year's calendar. This is the desert. Here's what my desert sounded like uh, from my journal. This is a, a season that I feel like I'm on the way out of. Uh, I wrote this. You woo me and you seduce me. You bring me to this place and then you set a trap for me. And now you lead me into the desert. And it makes me want to say to you, things not appropriate in church, and then you tricked me. In my mind, it's winter. Fresh snow, gray, ashen trees everywhere. You see me from the treetops, and I'm dressed in red like I'm bleeding out. I'm alone, and I can't find you. I can't see you, but I know you see me. It's cold. Where are you? Would you heal my broken heart? Why am I so afraid to hope? I'm afraid that it will all fall apart. I'm afraid that it's not actually truly from you. I'm afraid that you're not that good to me and that you don't love me enough to give me this gift. I'm afraid of how bad it will hurt if I give myself to hope again. Jesus, I see you in the room, but I can't see your face. I sense your presence around me, but you are faceless. Why? Where are you, and why won't you show yourself to me? Why won't you let me see you? And where are you leading me? I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you're there. The desert is when you've left where you are, and you do not know where you're going. I'll say that again. The desert is where, when you have left where you are. Familiarity, comfort, support, resource food, water, and you don't know where you're going. But you know you're not there, and you know you're not wherever there is. It feels like in between. It feels like limbo. It feels like it's liminal. It feels like it is arbitrary and random. That's the desert. So let me begin by saying a couple of things, uh, but one... You don't need to be afraid of the wilderness. You don't be as scared of the wilderness. There's this basketball coach that I heard of who, like, uh, in a moment, you ever seen, like, coaches where they, like, really get into a, you know, like, pep talk to the team or whatever, and so this basketball coach has got everybody gathered around, critical moment in the, in the game, and he's like, gang, listen up, you do not need to be as scared of these people, we can beat them. A scared and, or scared and afraid becomes a scared. So don't be as scared, guys. There's nothing to be as scared of. But in all honesty, there's nothing to be scared of. You do not need to fear what is coming. In Exodus 3, Moses drives his flock into the wilderness, right? If, at the beginning of this, of this chapter. The word for wilderness is ham midbar, and midbar is connected to another word, deber. And the root of that, or, or that word is the root of ham midbar. And that word means to speak or mouth. So Moses, if you remember... In, in, as we read the text, a lot of these times, we, we translate it, right? But when, when you're reading it for the first time, Moses drives his flock into the speak or the mouth or the place where someone speaks. This is the wilderness. And if you follow the text, if you read the story carefully and you watch for the people who are led into the wilderness, think Genesis 16, Hagar is led into the wilderness after she's treated very poorly. And who does she find there? In the desert, in the wilderness, the place where someone speaks, but God himself. 
And she says, I, she, built, she, she like, uh, makes a, a monument because this is the place where God has seen me, she says. Abraham led into the wilderness. Moses led into the wilderness. Jesus in Luke 3 led into the wilderness. And I would submit, if you follow it closely and you watch, more often than not, the name wilderness is exactly what happens because it's the place where they hear God. Again, in our culture, in evangelicalism, if you're there, it's often because you're something, you did something, and it's something you did, or you, you, you've, you don't have enough faith, or you're not praying enough, or you're not spiritually mature enough, or so on and so forth. And I would say that that's not what the story is telling us. It may be true that something you did has caused you to be there. I'm not ruling out that possibility because our actions actually have consequences in life. But it may be, and at least the story is trying to tell us, the scriptures are trying to tell us, that this is, that you have a pending appointment. If you're in the wilderness, or you feel like it's dry and dark, and there's no water, and you don't know where you are, you, don't, you know that you left, but you don't know where you're going, if you're there, can I just say as a spiritual advisor and leader in this community, and maybe in your life, that you have nothing to fear, and it may, in fact, not be your fault. And it may be that God is leading you in this. And if the story, if the scriptures tell us anything, then I would be very, very open to an appointment with God. And what God might say, and what God might do, and call out or bring to life in you. Nothing to be afraid of. Look at the end of verse 2. It says that Moses led his flock into the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. In the scriptures for 500 Torah points, if you had to say, what is the mountain of God in the Old Testament, what might you guess? Sinai, absolutely. Everybody knows this. This is the place where Charlton Heston goes at the top. You know, it's the Ten Commandments. It's Sinai. It's always Sinai. The mountain of God equals Sinai. Why? is the author telling us it's Horeb and not Sinai. Well, let's dig, right? Because if you think, if, if, you, if you come to the scriptures and you're like, why is that there? Or that bugs me, dig. Because you're probably onto something. So let's dig. What does Horeb mean? Horeb, the word, is connected to another root, a, a word called Cherev. And Cherev means destruction, dry, or desolate. Oh, this is juicy, So the author of the Exodus story is saying Moses heads to the mountain of God, which isn't Sinai, which if 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 you know the story, you're kind of like, hmm, interesting. But the actual name of the mountain is Horeb, which means dry, desolate destruction or waste. What on earth is happening here? Why is he saying that? Ooh, interesting. Very interesting. Is it possible that what we think God might look like, sound like, act like, move like, may not be exactly what God looks like, sounds like, acts like, moves like. Have you ever been surprised by God? Where you're kind of like, oh my goodness, I did not expect to find you here. Or, I thought you 
your voice would sound so much meaner. Or, you know, like, I'm in trouble, but this is so gentle. Or, that was clear. Thank you. Got it. Have you ever been surprised by God? Man, gang, I, I, I can't tell you how, how especially when you, when you read the story, and my own experience would, would say yes to this, that I expect God to move in a certain way. Or, for example, I, when I went to Israel, this was sort of at the tail end of my desert experience. And I, w- I just knew that I knew that I knew that my moment was going to be in the desert where God would speak to me. I had studied all this, you know, root word, deber means to speak, Hagar, love the story. And I'm, I'm headed to Israel, and I'm like anticipating this moment, right? The desert was at the end of our trip. It was the last two days, and I am just like waiting on pins and needles to get to the desert because, God, you are going to show up there, and it's going to be on. Out of nowhere, not in the desert where there isn't anybody and it's quiet and you can hear God's voice, but smack dab in the middle of Jerusalem where there's like a million people, God speaks to me. Never saw it coming. I would just encourage you to leave some space for God to show up in a way that you didn't expect. And for Moses, right, he's headed to the mountain of God, also known as destruction. (laughs) Do you remember that story where Moses is on top of the mountain and it says that he experiences God's presence in one way, but the people of God down at the bottom saw it in a different way. Do you remember that story? It's when he's up on top of the mountain getting, receiving the law. And it says from the bottom looking up, it looked like fire and a storm and like lightning coming down on the mountain. But like at the top of the mountain, it says that Moses experienced it as like a breath. <laughs> now there's not a lot of like... Um, you know, one plus one equals two here. Maybe you're looking for, you know, concrete examples of, like, just tell me what to do, Micah. And you're in the wrong church, if that's what you're looking for. But I think as we read this story, something that just, I think, is pulsing with life for me is the fact that Moses, his destruction, heading to the mountain of God, also known as destruction, looked like him receiving a calling and an invitation from God to participate in the freedom of his people, an invitation to live out of confidence and not fear, an invitation to really, really actually live in his name, which means to draw from the water. So what, we th- what appears to be destruction turns out to be something very, very different in the story, does it not? And I just think that there's, there's, it would be wise for us to pause here and ponder, what does that mean? And there's, again, there's not a lot of one plus one. I'm not going to tell you like a formula here, but I, as people who are trying to learn how to follow this Jesus and read this book well, stay here for a little while. And don't try to build a tent like Peter and John on the mount because, you know, that Jesus blows that up, we know. Uh, don't try to shrine it. Don't try to memorialize it. Don't try to make it ritual or pause here. Just be here. Right? Deuteronomy, God says to to Moses, come up on the mountain and be on the mountain. Be here. Whatever that looks like for you. Last, I would just, I'd close with this. Um, I just think it's so very interesting how this all plays out at the end of this that we've read. 
God sees when we see, is how I would say it. I don't like to make a lot of promises, like, if you do this, then this will happen. Or I don't like to give a lot of formulas, like, gang, if you're looking to get out of the desert, here's the way, here's the key. But just look at how this reads. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. So we have a manifestation of God. We have God trying to get Moses' attention. Then what does it say? So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. It's, it's this verb to turn aside, to, to stop and look, to see, right? Which is a thread in the text that it's always asking us, can you see? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, what happens next? We not only have the presence, but now we have the voice. Double threat guy, right? We've got it all. God sees when we see. God makes God's self available to Moses in the bush, but he doesn't speak yet. And it's not until Moses turns aside to see this thing that is so interesting that God says, oh, okay, let's go. And then the story, and then we get all of it. Moses, Moses, which in the text is a clear representation of the divine voice speaking. Your name twice. Samuel, Samuel. Moses, Moses. Now here we go. God sees when Moses sees, and it's the key that unlocks more. So, as we close this morning, I would say to you, what does it mean to develop the eyes to see when you're in the desert? What are the ways that God shows God's self in the story? They're often surprising. They're often abnormal. They're often interesting. And for those who have the eyes to see it, who turn aside, there's more. There's more there. I don't know where half of, well, I don't know where 95% of you are in terms of how you walked in this morning and where you've come from and what's going on in your lives, whether it's the desert or springtime or winter. Winter. Winter is coming. Isn't that what they say in Game of Thrones? I don't know. I don't know. But if I know anything, I would bet that there are many of you here this morning who have said things like, I feel like I just can't hear God's voice. Or I don't know where God is. Or why is God silent? Or does God even care? And so I think that this, ironically enough, like the song Fit this morning, that here's a story for us as we read this, this, this story that maybe just lands right where we need to be. And I would just encourage you as your pastor to say, there's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, you probably have an appointment that you don't yet know is coming. And be there. Don't, don't wrestle to get out. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to do more spiritual things. Maybe, just maybe, you're right where you need to be. 
And this is a community that can hold that, that can say, we'll be with you in the desert where it's quiet and silent and dry. Because we know that we know that we know that the God of this story is a God that brings life, that brings springtime, that brings the flowers that we love so much, that brings water, that brings nourishing and flourishing and delight. This is who God is. And so we wait with you. Pray with me if you would. God, uh, sometimes it's really hard to hear you, to see you, to sense you, to know where you are and what you're doing. And it's frustrating because we live in a culture that says, I want it this way and I want it now. And so everything that we experience day in and day out is moving against and in a different direction than what your scriptures seem to be offering us, which is, will you stay and will you wait? Will you be present to this, wherever, whatever this is? Will you not move on beyond it? Will you not take a picture of it and gram it or post it, but will you be here? And so, God, would you, by your spirit, gently as you always do, love us, care for us, hold us, invite us to be here. Would you make something beautiful out of what looks like death all around, nothing growing, watery chaos? Would you just once again do something to testify to that you are, in fact, the God you say you are. Friends, I want to thank you uh, for being with us, for worshiping this morning, for being a community that uh, is learning how to hold these kinds of things. I know that many of you have been here and you have stories to tell. Uh, that's part of the reason why we do things like Artists in Residence. It's part of the reason why we, we, we try to share these stories. Because we hold each other, and we encourage each other, and we remind each other that this is true, that God makes beautiful things out of something that doesn't look beautiful. Uh, and we become light in a dark place. And that's the church. So welcome if you're new. Thanks for, being, thanks for saying yes if you call this home. And uh, an invitation to join us in uh, following this Jesus that we believe we believe resurrects things from the dead uh, including me <laughs> amen so grace and peace love you guys uh, as you go uh, just a thanks uh, Catalyst Covenant Church a good friend of mine Jeff Olson brought a crew uh, they are on the front end of planting a new community um, so we welcome you guys we're glad that you're here uh, we pray for you we're behind you we love you um, so say hi to those guys uh, tell them that they're going to be okay alright see ya Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.